the agenda. There's another person I like in his messages, and I think he has something that's really important for us to consider. And after what we've already experienced, the Passover and the Days of Unleavened Bread, he's going to talk about something a little better in about 50 days. He's here to give, uh, his title is On to Pentecost. Mr. Bond and Mr. Grayson. afternoon everyone this is my GPS tell me how to get up here well what day is it in our count to Pentecost seven yes it is the number of completeness so on toward Pentecost last year around this time I gave a couple of sermons one was titled uh, Passover, uh, Pentecost, uh, Passover to Pentecost, and the other was uh, the uh, power from on high. Both of those sermons, if you remember, uh, it's going to be similar in content to the, uh, the aim of those uh, sermons that I gave then and what I will give today. But the title of this sermon is On to Pentecost, and the start starting point is uh, passage in Luke 24 49 where it says behold I send the promise of my father upon you but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with the power from on high well like a lot of those who uh, deliver messages here from the pulpit you come upon a scripture that is seems that puts a thought into your mind and gives you an inspiration and so you do what, the next thing, you, you chain reference some of those scriptures or you look for things to bear out the truth of a certain scripture. And when you come to another scripture sometimes, it'll take you into other places. And then it'll, that will take you into other places. So, it's, uh, so it becomes a here a little and there a little study in the word of God. And then sometimes you have to, well, what's the point of the whole thing? You've got to pare, pare it down somehow because... Uh, like most of you, I'm only human, and uh, I guess you can tell that, but uh, anyway, we're inspired, and the Bible is supposed to inspire us by the words it reveals to us. Now, we know that Passover, or Pentecost, began in Exodus 34:22, where it says, and you shall observe the Feast of Weeks of the first fruits of wheat harvest and the Feast of Ingathering at the year's end, which would, you know, would be the, the Feast of Tabernacles. So a week, we know, is seven days. Seven times seven is 49, and then you add one more, and it makes 50. 50 in Bible mathematics is a number that is connected with the Holy Spirit that uh, came down on the 50th day on Pentecost. So we are counting to the 50th, uh, the, to count 50. And so the disciples, who were the followers of Jesus, they were to be endued with power from on high. In other words, they were to be endured with 
gift, with a gift. That's what the word means, to be gifted. So we are gifted with the Holy Spirit of, of God. And sometimes we don't really realize how strong that power is that is in us. Now we have, uh, like at the house, I have a little uh, uh, cassette player. Yeah, and some of you remember cassette players. And you put batteries in it. There are different size batteries you can put in it. And after a while, it starts to run down. And sometimes in our life, we kind of run down. You know, our heart eventually will stop, will stop ticking, and so it has to be stirred up. It has to be uh, recharged in some way. I have a, a Jeep at the house that needs recharging, and I haven't done so yet because I don't have a charger. I could use Carolyn's car and hook it up, but I might scratch the finish on her car, so I've kind of put it off, and that's my excuse. Maybe somebody will come along and charge it or take it away from me, but <coughs> it's an old car. Just like we are sometimes, I'm an old car, and I need recharging sometimes. And so we have at least a weekly respite, as Reggie would say, a respite to get away from the way the world is and to think about what the world that is going to come in the light of the scriptures as they have promised us. So... Uh, the followers of Jesus, Christ promised them that there uh, will come a power from on high. And we have that power right now. We have that, that uh, battery, so to speak. And, you know, sometimes we do need charging in some way. It may be uh, from what a fellow member might say or what uh, something, if something is said from the pulpit or probably in a song. But we also remember on that day of Pentecost when they met there in Jerusalem that there was this cry from one of uh, them that who heard the message. They said, well, uh, what must we do to be saved? Just like uh, we heard earlier in the scripture, what must we do to be saved? And the reply came, repent and be baptized and every one of you shall receive the gift. Calls it a gift of the Holy Spirit. So like the heart that is in us, uh, we have the gift of life, whether sometimes we like it or not. You know, we sometimes we wonder why we have it. But sometimes our heart gives out because it is temporary flesh and blood. But the Holy Spirit that is given to us is a power that will exceed our present physical life because it leads to everlasting life. And it says that the power is in the spirit. So there is power that is there. And sometimes we just don't really uh, grasp that knowledge. But like water, you know, uh, your water at the house, you have a, a hydrant, a, a water spigot. You turn it on just a little bit and uh, it, it flows out gently. And you turn it, open it up real wide, you know, it just uh, uh, splooshes out. And so... The spirit is under our control. He doesn't make us do everything because we have a choice in what we want to do. So it can gently flow or it can gush out in a torrent. And so the spirit of God is, is uh, it's kind of like the fuel that moves us or the, or the battery that we have that gives us energy. So it needs to uh, stay charged up. It needs to be inspired. It needs to be stirred up. 
And so we have the words of Jesus in the Word of God, the Holy Bible, to encourage and instruct us. Now, 50, 50 years is also the year of Jubilee that God gave to Israel to proclaim liberty. And verse 15 in Leviticus chapter 23 and you shall count unto you from the morrow after the Sabbath, from the day that you brought the sheaf of the wave offering, seven Sabbaths shall be complete. Even unto the morrow after the Sabbath shall you number fifty days, and you shall offer a new meal offering unto the Lord. As a new meal offering is, is like a, a grain offering. Now, we know that Jesus, it says, he was seen, there were times where he was seen ten different times after his resurrection all in one day from the women at the tomb to the disciples to the 500 at the at the mount of galilee and to the and after 40 days he was seen uh, as he ascended into heaven and here in the book of let's see the book of acts verse 1 No, Acts chapter 1, verse 3 through 12. This is where he ascended bodily into the clouds and he disappeared out of sight. You know, the clouds are like about a thousand or so feet above, above us. And he went into the cloud and disappeared. And he also reminded them that who saw him go into the clouds and disappear that the, the angels that were beside them said, he shall come in like manner when he returns. And in verse 15 of, let's go to John chapter 14, in verse 15, Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and we know where he did this, and he shall give you another comforter. As you have seen perhaps on the, uh, the handout that we got a couple of weeks ago, uh, this little calendar here, it helps keep you up as to what day it is, where we are. And I've got circle sevens uh, there. I kind of forgot what day it was, but verified it was the seventh day. But Jesus said, as you read this, he says, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Being comforted is being inspired, of being encouraged. And being redirected, if we have to uh, be redirected. But he said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he, should be it, that it may abide with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it sees it not, sees him not. Neither knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you, and it shall be with you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world sees me no more, but you see me because I live, you shall live also. So we, even though we don't see our Savior, we don't lay eyes upon him, but we do have his words that give us this promise that we will see him. And... As I read, and behold, I send the promise of my Father unto you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power 
from on high. So they, the disciples at that time would be uh, going to Jerusalem waiting for this power that is to come on high. And in Acts 2, you can uh, read all about that. Now, with the celebration of the Passover and the Days of Unleavened Bread behind us, we are on the count to count 50. That is, you know, the day of Pentecost or the Feast of Weeks as it uh, was originally called. You shall observe, in Exodus 34.22, uh, it says, You shall observe the Feast of Weeks of the first fruits of the wheat harvest, as it is called over there in that scripture reference. I'm just quoting from it. So there is a looking forward to, a looking toward uh, a day that is coming. Uh, look forward to it. Uh, keep count of it. Because if you don't, you, you might miss out. So as we know, each of the holy days are annual memorials. They're celebrations and reminders that reveal some outstanding aspect in the salvation of the eternal God along with how we, we, are, we are to observe them. Remember in Leviticus, uh, Jesus said, the Lord said, God said, these are my feasts. You know, Jesus was a spokesman of the Old Testament. They are to be observed. They are to be enjoyed because they repeat the plan of salvation from which we can derive a joy and a hope for the future. And it also reminds us that we are a peculiar people keeping the feast of the Lord at their appointed times, lest we forget this, the life or the calling that we are called to. And I know that sometimes people will kind of look at us funny and wonder what, what's all this uh, getting rid of your leaven about and throwing away, you know, a good piece, uh, a loaf of bread and, and all that. But we are, in a way, a peculiar people that people will take notice of. Now, in the Passover, in the days of leaven, unleavened bread, we learn that by our acceptance of the sacrifice of the Passover lamb of God, we commit to a lifetime of partaking of the bread of life, that is, Jesus Christ, following Jesus Christ and his word who gave his life for each and every one of us, you and me, that we are to live by his word, to cast out sins that so easily beset us, and to keep his commandments, to resist the devil and the fiery darts of Satan the devil, and to be a servant of righteousness, not unrighteousness, but a servant of righteousness that is commandment keeping, and to be a light in order to glorify our Father who has called us. Now, we know that the eternal, he knows that we are carnal, and that human nature and its cravings can be overpowering and can be devastating to us and can even take our life if we give in to temptation and waywardness. In Psalm 103, verse 13, it says, Like as a father pities his children, so the Lord pities them that fear him, for he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust, he is like a father who takes compassion on his children who love and respect him and he knows our weakness. He knows what we're made of. He knows our makeup. He knows our character. He knows the things that can uh, weaken us, to bother us. He knows our nature. Now, we live in perilous times 
dangerous times. You've seen the news, you've seen the headlines, you've seen the corruption, the violence, the bloodshed in our schools, malls, churches, hospitals, in businesses, and homes, and on the street. And who knows what the next uh, number of days that we have till Pentecost, what will transpire. And so we're all touched by these things that go on in our world in some way. It's upsetting, it provokes us to anger, and some of us to tears. Now in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, and uh, I'm quoting from the Living Bible. I usually quote from King James, but here the Apostle Paul was writing to young Timothy. He said to Timothy, you may as well know this, Timothy, that in the last days it's going to be very difficult to be a Christian. So, you know, as we know, to talk of Jesus nowadays and to talk of his law and the ways uh, of the godly, you get, it brings a lot of ridicule and disdain and maybe even some legal disputes and you're taken to court. Yet, this is mild in comparison to the way the early Christians suffered when they were persecuted and some of them were thrown into prison and deprived of necessities and even killed, all because they, have, they were intolerant to, the, uh, to uh, the Christian way of life. Verse 2, For people will love only themselves and their money. They will be proud and boastful, sneering at God, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful to them, and thoroughly bad. They will be hard-headed and never give in to others. They will be constant liars and troublemakers and will think nothing of immorality. They will be rough and cruel and sneer at those who try to be good. So what Paul saw and what he said to Timothy was what is, was going on in their time. And their description is not like, unlike the times that we see today when we see so much violence and, and suffering taking place and it's all due to selfishness and to sin and to pride and so on. So we know that our safety in this world is always a concern and so we lock our doors we have burglar alarms and all those things that keep us safe in a way and there's a scripture and i used to know where it was but i keep forgetting like a lot of other things it, but i do remember it saying that wild beasts shall devour your children that could apply to the bad people in this world who kidnap kids and and kills them and so we have to be concerned and it will help if we put on the armor of God praying always that we may be able to escape these things that shall shortly come to pass and, and just do all we can to stand and we don't stand in our own power but in the power of the Lord through the Holy Spirit the gift that dwells in us in Philippians chapter 2, Paul is wondering, and verses 1 through 15, I won't read through every verse, but I'll decide as I go along, but Paul is wondering if there is any such thing as Christians cheering each other up, because sometimes what you hear from the pulpit may be bad news, and you don't want to hear it. You don't want to hear about sin, things of that sort. But sometimes when we see the world around us, 
We may not feel very cheerful, let alone making someone else feel good. And he said to the Philippians in verse 1, If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill you my joy that you be like-minded. These ifs that, that we see here, they may seem like questionable things, that, but in the Greek language, they speak of certainties or realities. We know that we have consolation in Christ. We know that we have comforts of love, and we have fellowship in, in different ways. So Paul was writing, he's writing to all the saints at Philippi, to see, uh, so that they may be receive encouragement, that encouragement that comes from Christ and from his word, comfort that comes from his love. And since, not if, but since we have fellowship and communion with the Spirit, we can all be like-minded, having tenderness and compassion for one another. So fulfill you my joy, he said, that you be like-minded. Because these, the, these are the things that he felt in, in the Lord. Having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Verse 3, let nothing be done through uh, strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind. That's humbleness. Let each other esteem then, uh, better uh, than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Now, I... I don't think that means you should be a busybody poking into you know, somebody's business unless they you know, tell you, I've got this problem. You just don't, uh, you, you don't do that. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility. Value others above yourselves. So when Jesus spoke to the crowds, he always said, you that have ears to hear, let him listen. And they had the choice. They could walk away. They could put their hands over their ears and not listen. So it's a choice of whether or not we want to look at the word of God and see what it says to us. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. Sometimes our interests uh, may lead us away from you know, even family. We may put our own interest in, in front of the needs of our family or our friends or our neighbors or the church. In your relationship with, with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. But he made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man he humbled himself he willingly humbled himself and became obedient even unto death even the death of the cross and you remember how he went out to pray that night he was betrayed three times that he wanted the cup to be to be removed from him and then he said nevertheless not my will but your will be done and sometimes when we face our own troubles and we pray so hard and we, and we go three, four, five times in prayer, and sometimes at the end of prayer we realize, not my will, but your will be done. 
Whether for, uh, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, an example that we should follow. Wherefore God also has exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. <coughs> so Christ became a true human being. He emptied himself. He took on the likeness of, of man. And through his humanity, uh, though his humanity was real, he was different because he was uh, unlike other humans in that he was sinless. John 1.14 says that he was, he, he was made flesh, dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory as the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So we know that he was tempted in all points like we are but without sin. And it was his truthful claim that he said he was a son of God that he was crucified for it, for, for uh, blasphemous reasons. But he was highly exalted by the Father, given a name above every name, not merely a title, but a position of dignity and, and authority and honor. So in answer to his prayer... In John 17, Jesus, when Jesus prayed, he said in verse 1, These words spoke Jesus, what John wrote, These words spoke Jesus, and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come, glorify your Son, that your Son also may glorify you. And you have given him power over all flesh that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is life eternal, that they might know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. So these words were spoken by Christ about the mission that he came to do. And that mission is, can be seen in each and every one of us here. Philippians chapter 2, verse 10. It says, the at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Of things in heaven, things in the earth, and things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Verse 12, wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, it says, and I've said this before, that we work out our own salvation with fear and trembling, being careful that we follow Jesus Christ and not our own ideas, but according to the word of God. And that we are to put into practice the things that we have learned and lived in them, accepting and acknowledging Jesus Christ as, as the Lamb of God, casting out leaven, that is, you know, sin in our life, always aware and, and watching out and praying and resisting temptation and sin. It's always a constant battle. We struggle against uh, spirits in high places. Sometimes when wickedness enters into our mind, you, you start to think about uh, things. And 
when you know it's not right, when you know it is wickedness, when you know it is an evil plot, we're like the leaven. When we find it, we're to cast, cast it out. But, you know, Satan would like to have his way. And it says that if we resist the devil, he will flee from us. But you know that he is like a roaring lion. He's persistent. And he will try again, little by little again. So like the leaven of sin, when it comes on, it, it, will, it will puff us up and it will rise and, and corrupt the whole bunch. Now Paul said, he, for in my absence, you must even be even more careful to do the good things that res, uh, result in salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and shrinking back from all that might displease him. For if we forsake the assembling of ourselves or quit, you know, or quit studying the word of God, we lose ground and we may, and we may be drawn away into our, into our own fleshly desires. So <coughs> we are mindful of avoiding leaven. That's what, you know, the, uh, the feast of unleavened bread has taught us in many ways. That, so we must be mindful of not doing uh, sinful things. Verse 13, for it is God which works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So we're his workmanship. You are his workmanship. Something in your life that he is working on and bearing the fruits of the spirit. Do all things without murmurings and disputings. Sometimes we murmur, not aloud, but sometimes we murmur in our, in our hearts. And we dis, uh, dispute things in our hearts. And it may not be voice uh, in voice to someone else. But we're to do all things without murmuring and disputings. Verse 15, that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. So all the teachings of Paul, he sees the fruit of it. And also in our own life, we see the fruits of our own uh, way of living, holding forth the truth, the word of life, for, uh, and uh, partaking of the bread that is in Christ Jesus. We know that the Bible says that all come short of the glory of God, that it says that there is none righteous, that there is none without sin. No, not one. And we know that this simple three-letter word, S-I-N, has a big impact on life in this world, and it's around us. But as Christians, we are called to light, to be a light into the world. And that light comes from the word of God inspired by the word of God to be a light and follow the examples of even Christians before us. Matthew chapter 5, verse 11. Blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. I don't know how many have, you know, uh, faced that kind of uh, charge, but we're to rejoice and be exceeding glad. Because great is your reward in heaven. Because so persecuted they, the prophets, which were before you. You are the salt of the earth. 
But if the salt has lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing, but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of man. You're the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a uh, candle or put it under a bushel to hide it, but on a candlestick so that it may bring light to those that are in the house. So let your light shine, verse 16, before men, before all, even before uh, one another here, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Because as they look upon us, we, uh, especially uh, those of us who are older and see how people have changed, how they continue to come to church, how they continue to believe in the word of God that is glorifying to the Father that he has in some way spoken to them through his word and inspired them to be a good Christian. And he said, think not, in verse 17, that I'm come to destroy the law or the prophets. I'm not come to destroy, but to fulfill, you know, to fill it up. And he did that by talking about the spirit of, of the law. Don't lust, don't commit adultery, don't think of murder in your heart, because if you do, you've already done those things. Quote from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it says, again, that we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto what? Good works, it says, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. So we're created in Christ Jesus unto good works, ordained by God that we should walk in them. Now we know in the book of Hebrews, and there's a long list of the various ones who stood the trial of faith. These elders, by, the, uh, by faith, obtained a good report. You read about Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Sarah. These are all in uh, Hebrews 11. But some of these, all of these that we see uh, read here, they've all died in faith, waiting on the promise, that promise of eternal life that was promised them in some way a long time ago. And we also know that there are recent saints who have died in faith from, from whatever cause. like to drop down to verse 32 where the writer says what shall I more say for the time would fail me to tell of Gideon of Barak and of Samson and of Jephthah of David also and Samuel and of the prophets who through faith subdued kingdoms wrought righteousness obtained promises stopped the mouths of lions quenched the violence of fire escaped the age of the sword out of weakness were made strong, wax valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. R women received their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, tempted, slain with the sword. And they wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in 
dens and caves of the earth because they did not want to give up or let go of the Holy Spirit that, that they uh, were given. These all, having obtained a good report through faith, did not receive the promises. God having provided some better thing for us that they without us should not be made perfect. So we know where Paul said to purge out the old leaven that you may be a new lump. As you are unleavened for even Christ, our Passover is sacrificed for us. So we know that this purging out is a lifelong process. In this world, there is so much leaven which can, if we allow it, uh, make its way into our life. So what do we have to do? How are we to be? Ephesians 5, first verse, Be you followers of God, as dear children. Follow his example in everything. Verse 2, And walk in love. Not hatred, but walk in love, as Christ also has loved us and has given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling savor. Verse 3, but of fornication, extramarital affairs, you know, adultery, things of that sort, and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as become saints, neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving a thing a thanks upon reading that particular part about nor jesting sometimes I I do that I jest sometimes <laughs> inappropriately or uh, and not in the right uh, position of being among others because there was a time when uh, when I was uh, well, uh, when I was in school as a teacher, I, I would jest with my students. And uh, sometimes they would not take me seriously because you, you jest too much, you know. And uh, <coughs> I had, had a, have a friend, and he, he's a, a, a kind of a stand-up comedian. And uh, I would speak to him about jesting, about joking, about jokes that I've heard. Not dirty jokes, but uh, <coughs> I was talking serious to him one time, and he kept looking at me, and uh, I finished my little, my little talk, and he kept looking, and, and, I, and he said, uh, where's the punchline? <laughs> he kept, he thought I was jesting, and so you can ruin your reputation in a lot of ways by foolish jesting. And um, my son and I sometimes exchange uh, uh, dad jokes. For this you know that no whoremonger, that's, you know, a, pen, a panderer, nor unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. And quoting from 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 10 through 11, Paul said for us to know this, that neither thieves or covetous or drunkards nor revelers or extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. 
So salvation is a very important thing. And the way to salvation, as we see it in the scriptures, are things that we need to pay attention to because it is serious. As such were some of you, but you are washed, you're sanctified, you are justified in the name and honor of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. And as we read in Hebrews 11, we see a lot of power that was at work in their lives. Having not received the promise, but died in faith. So Jesus, our Passover lamb, he gave his life so that we may be forgiven our sins and redeemed. And he sits right now at the right hand of the Father in heaven. Acts 12. He was seen 40 days before ascending to heaven. And in Acts 12, verse 2, until the day in which he was taken up, after that he through the Holy Spirit had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen. To whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs being seen of them forty days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God and being assembled together with them he commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem but wait for the promise of the Father. We read about those two disciples that were on the road to Emmaus when they were talking about all those things that happened and they appeared sad and Christ came up to them and asked them what, what was troubling them. What were they talking about? And they didn't recognize him right, right away. In Luke 24, uh, verse 22, and they uh, continued their story and they, they said, yeah, and certain women also of our company made us astonished, which were early at the sepulcher on the seventh day. They didn't find his body. They came away saying they had seen a vision of angels and said, who said that he was alive. And so certain of these men went to the uh, sepulcher to check it out, and they didn't see him. <clears throat> so it's a long, uh, these are long verses. But as he was talking to these men on the road to Emmaus, they didn't uh, understand why these things happened. And so he said unto to them, these are the words which I speak unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. So these things had to come to pass, he was telling them. Then he opened their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. There's a lot of things in scriptures that we may not always understand, but by uh, uh, here a little and there a little, you come across verses that make it a little clearer. You remember the Ethiopian eunuch, he came to Jerusalem to, to worship there, and while he was reading from, I believe, the book of Isaiah, uh, it was, uh, who was it? Philip, yeah, I'm sorry to say James saw him and he asked if he understood what he what he uh, was reading and the eunuch said how can i unless some man uh, show me and we know that when jesus stood up to read in the synagogue he expounded on the passage that he uh, that he read and so 
Through the scriptures, we find inspiration, we find truth, we find instruction in righteousness. And it says that the man of God may be thoroughly furnished. Then he said unto them, Thus it is written, Thus it behoove Christ to suffer and to rise the third day. We know that the Holy Spirit was given on the day of Pentecost to those who believe. And from Acts 2, verse 17, that it shall come to pass in the last days, said God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Saying that they, that they're, that they shall preach, they're going to lecture, they're going to talk, they're going to foretell, they're going to see a vision and dream a dream, because in the last days, in that time of the tribulation to come, God's wrath is going to be poured upon the world, and the message of truth and salvation will need to go out. So this gospel, as it says, must be preached in all the world as a witness, and then shall the end come. So we know that there is an end that is coming. Amos 3, quoting from there, verse 7, it says, Surely the Lord God will do nothing but reveals his servant unto his servants, the prophets. So prophets of old foretold our time today and the events that are to come, yet even now we don't see everything clearly. So many prophets have come and gone, made their prophecies, and some have yet to come to pass and some won't come to pass. But Jesus did say, beware of false prophets, because he said, many will come in my name, in my authority, claiming my authority. And how will we know them? It says, if they speak not according to this word, there is no truth in them. So we must be careful to who we listen to or follow. And as Jesus said, let no man deceive you. Now, God's Spirit came upon the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit of the Eternal has been passed on by men of faith. It's been passed on to us by the laying on of hands. And we know that we have the Holy Spirit of God. And he told Timothy, and he, like he tells us today, to quench not the Spirit. Don't snuff it out. To know to do good and do it not, that's when it becomes sin. But we're to stir it up, kindle it, you know, fire it up so it doesn't ebb or, or go out because it can. And as he, Paul admonished, he said to the Ephesians, don't grieve the Holy Spirit because by the Spirit of God we are sealed unto the day of, res, uh, of redemption. We know that the prophet Joel talked about the Spirit of God coming upon people. I'd like to go down to uh, Revelation chapter 7. We see in verse 9 that there was a great multitude which no man could number of all nations and kindreds, peoples and tongues. They stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands and cried with a loud voice, saying, salvation to our God which sits upon the throne and unto the Lamb. So the Holy Spirit we know as I mentioned earlier it is the gift of God. 
And it will keep us on course if we are willing to be obedient to the things that the Spirit says to us. So we know that there are things that can easily beset us. God knows that we're weak. He knows our frame and that we all have weaknesses and we're going to need the power of God to overcome. Finally, conclusion, Hebrews 12. Sometimes we have various trials in our life. It seems like they're unending and, and painful and sorrowful in many ways. Verse 11. Now no chastening for the present seems to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward, afterward it yields the peaceful, peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them that are exercised thereby. Troubles and trials are part of life, but the gift of the Holy Spirit, like faith and patience, can see us through. And trials and things like that, God uses to increase our faith, to increase the gift that is in us. Wherefore, Lift up the hands which hang down, verse 12, and feeble knees, and make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather uh, be healed. I know what it's like to have feeble knees. 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 5, finally, verse 8, Therefore, let us keep the feast, with, not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Let us continue in the spirit of the Passover and feast of, of unleavened bread with honesty and do it earnestly and with diligence, avoiding the leaven of sin that so easily besets us at times. <clears throat> 